0: Welcome to Bold Conscious Connections. My name is Raju Panjavani and I'm a Certified Leadership Coach.
1: And I'm Trisha Ramos, a Certified High Performance Coach. Together, we help business leaders redefine success on their terms to create more space and energy so that they live impactful lives.
0: Everyone wants to be seen, heard and understood. So at a deeper level, we know that the collective consciousness is important to raise in this world. And leaders who are influencers can make that difference. We, in our coaching programs, teach people how to focus on the interconnectedness, heart-centeredness, and growth from within. And this is what this podcast will be about.
1: So stay tuned and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Talk to you very soon.
1: Welcome to today's episode. We are so, so excited to have a very special guest today. Her name is Sheila Pearl. She is known as the love doctor of the Hudson Valley. And I'm very fortunate to call her my mentor. I met Sheila just a little under two years ago now and saw her in a room at Toastmasters. And immediately after hearing a little bit about her, I had to get to know her some more and Uh, consequently asked her to be my mentor and um, you know we've had this amazing friendship and relationship and today she happens to be one of mine and Raju's clients as well in our group program. So uh, Sheila we're so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I always welcome any opportunity to have a conversation which expands our connection and our awareness of who we all are.
1: Yes. So as the love doctor of the Hudson Valley, tell us a little bit about how you got that nickname.
2: It actually came from a a bunch of people uh, kind of Simultaneously, I guess you know people. You know, some some people would say, "Are you kind of like Dr. Ruth?" I said, "Well, I'm not Dr. Ruth. I'm not really a doctor. Dr. Ruth uh, is is an actual doctor." But people said, "But you you seem like the the love doctor," and so it kind of began to stick. So one person heard it, two people hear, and then it starts to you know ripple out. So um, I'm I'm a member of several networking organizations in the Hudson Valley. And by virtue of, you know, people, meeting people, talking to people that kind of caught on. So uh, I'm happy to be called the love doctor because I'm all about repairing, preventing and blessing broken hearts.
1: Wonderful. That's beautiful. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Hudson Valley, we are in New York and the Hudson Valley is this beautiful valley uh, on the Hudson River. Just about, we are about 60 miles North of Manhattan. So just to give a little context to that.
2: Yeah, I I love it here. Yes, so.
0: Well, you know, Sheila, we always love all the conversations we've had. I've gotten to know you just a little bit over six six months now. And- um, It seems like
2: six years, Raju.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, is that good or bad?
2: (laughs) It's very good. I mean, sometimes it could feel like a lifetime because why? Because there's such a, a deep intuitive connection, mm. so it's almost like every conversation we have had feels like we've had it before.
0: I know. So you know, you've been part of our bold conscious leaders program. Yes, I and have. All, and then also our bold conscious, uh, uh, you know, business mastery. So so you know how we define bold. We have our five elements of bold. How Trisha and I talk about it. Mm-hmm. So. It's as if you didn't hear that, what would, it, what would bold, what does bold mean to you either before you started this uh, journey with us or just in general for your own because you've had such an amazing life.
1: Well, uh, as-, and, why, as and, and also why is it important yes. in your work today?
2: Well, bold to me connotes courage. Bold to me connotes audacity. Bold to me connotes thinking outside the box, doing things that people said you couldn't do, or uh, seeking to learn things that people said, oh, it's too late, you're too old, or do it to, to learn that. And uh, so bold, it, it also includes risking. So it's, it's a leap. Boldness is about being big, perhaps, you know, living bigger than you thought was possible, having dreams that you thought uh, were only for others. Being bold is uh, to really um, be willing to stretch your possibilities, stretch your imagination, stretch your creativity. And to take that deep breath when you're most afraid of taking that leap and saying, I'm going to I'm gonna do this anyway. And, uh, and I learned to be bold a long time ago when I had the audacity to dream big and want to be a singer on the operatic stage. Now, what appeals to me about being an opera singer is that it's about being on a big stage with big music, big, bold, dramatic music, and big, bold characters that are bigger than life and to live into big, bold emotions. It's quite a a spectrum of emotions and energies on that stage. So to be bold uh, as a singer means to have the courage to rest your career on two little tiny vocal folds that are very fragile. And I made my living being a singer over 40 years. Mm. So so being bold for me also means once one chapter closes, which it did a few years ago, uh, well, the the operatic chapter closed when I met my husband and I decided that having an operatic career, and being married to a rabbi probably would be a bit difficult. And we had some other uh, unexpected gifts that came into our lives His two teenagers came to live with us. That was not the plan. But it's it's okay, it, you know. We just we go with the flow, and so I uh, decided to uh, be bold and become a cantor in the synagogue. And that was a bold leap. And then when I retired from being a cantor in the synagogue, after over 20 years, I opened my doors to my practice in life coaching. 17 years ago when no one in the hudson valley in new york had a clue what a life coach was although in california where i come from everybody had a life coach so i was bold in opening my doors to a practice a private practice in coaching i did not take insurance i still don't although i'm a uh, um, i have my master's in clinical social work so i am a clinician by training but i really function as a coach And uh, that was a bold step at the age of 62, to open my doors to a practice in which nobody had a clue what that was. So, uh, So recently, I was so bold and audacious as to decide to join the multitudes of people who are now creating podcasts such as yourselves. And I just launched my very first podcast two weeks ago.
1: And the podcast is called Let's
2: Talk About Making Love Better.
1: Yes, yes, yes. yes. Beautiful. And Sheila, the, the journey you just painted for us so eloquently and so simply is really speaking to boldness as an element necessary for all the pivots that we are forced to make in life. And you make it sound so easy. You, 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 you review that and it sounds so, oh yeah, from an operatic singer to a cantor, to a coach. And you know, we forgot to talk about published uh, author. Amazon oh,
2: yeah, bestseller, hunt yeah, 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 <laughs> twice that, over. <laughs> that was very bold, yes. I had the audacity and the boldness to write with great transparency about my life. And everything I write about is true. I write like it's a novel, but everybody knows Stella in the book is me. But Stella could be you, Stella could be your aunt, your mother. It's kind of every every woman, every person and uh, so bold to to write a different kind of model, a different kind of design of a book. Some people love it. Some people say, oh, it's not my style, but so bold as to press that send button when you've labored over the manuscript for years and you're terrified of falling flat on your face, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But you take the
1: risk anyway. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Speaking of mothers, my mother read your books. (laughs)
2: she did and she blushed
1: she <laughs> blushed for sure uh it, i love telling i remember when i shared with you the story of i couldn't get her to pick up any of the books i wanted her to read and then i purchased both of your books i gave it to her and within five days she had finished both <laughs> um,
2: and she, she asked when's the next one
1: you went to the next one and it was she had read them before I read them. And so afterwards I read them and I thought, no wonder <laughs> she couldn't put these down. Wow. Um, yes. Lots of boldness in those pages. So, you know, before before we move on to the next question, when you think about leaders today and it doesn't really even matter how old someone is or what their current circumstances are as somebody who's a coach and someone who's applied this wisdom. And really you've, you have such a beautiful way of taking life's lemons, right. And, and making lemonade. You really, I've gotten
2: real, I've gotten really good at that.
1: And I adore you for that. And, and, um, admire you so much for just the capacity that you have to be able to do that. What would you say to our listeners about why today, more than any other time, cultivating this boldness that we all have available to us is a must?
2: If we're not bold, why bother? If we don't take the leap, if we don't risk stretching ourselves, allowing ourselves to be more more completely who we are designed to be today than I was yesterday, because it's not a judgment. It's just an observation. Some people just tread water. But I'm interested in diving deep, and sometimes diving off the diving board and and uh, and doing you know a, a, a long swim. That's a metaphor. I haven't been in the water for a while. But if it, it's it's kind of like if if you're not living fully, you're not living. If you're not stretching, you're not living and uh, one of the lines one of the people i recently had a conversation with was the joy is in uh, j- joy is in the stretch mm-hmm. and the stretch is about being willing to say this morning who do i want to be who do i want to step into being today what part of myself do i want to bring into the world that maybe would be new for me? How do I want to surprise myself today? How, how do I want to surprise others? So that we're always thinking in terms of, uh, in this wonderful uh, stream of, of wonderment, to be in a state of wondering, wonderment, and to be in a state of curiosity. Because the moment we stop wondering and stop being curious, we're, we're flatlining. And what fun is that? So being, you know, bold in our lives is what defines us feeling the experience or giving ourselves the experience of being fully who we we are. I was on with a client this morning who was talking about how he couldn't afford a haircut. And I said, what's that about? How much is a haircut a month? About $25. Excuse me. Well, I know this young man I, I know that with his job, he has a job where he's making a regular salary, that if he were to plan ahead on putting aside that $25, he could allow himself to have that haircut every month. But he's living from this mindset of lack and I can't do this and, and I said, look, forethought is king. Plan ahead put aside that $25. Maybe the first two paychecks of the month, you just take out $10. And the third paycheck, you take out $5. Anybody in your situation can do that. So we talked about how he could live the the wish and the dream. I know it seems like a little thing, but for him, it was weighing heavily. Oh, I can't afford a haircut. I said, how does that feel to say I can't afford a haircut? So I teach people to ask the right question. How can I? How can I afford a haircut? Is a question that matters. How can I be bold? How? And how can I step outside my comfort zone? How can I afford to invest in myself? How can I afford to buy a pocketbook like that pocketbook or that bag that I found uh, when we were out uh, last week, Tricia? I didn't. I didn't have the money in my pocket that week, so I did not allow myself to. But I knew that. I would likely have that money in my pocket. And I wanted that red pocketbook, that red bag, because I know me. I use the same friggin' bag every single day. I don't change up. I don't change around. I don't look for a bag that matches my shoes or my coat or my dress. I use the same bag, just like a briefcase. So I knew that's the bag I want. That's the bag that I will take with me every single day. So when I had the money on the day I got my vaccine this past week, I decided I'm gonna celebrate myself. I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna take that money from my, my special discretionary fund and I'm going to get that bag. And that made me feel great because why? Because I asked myself the question, how can I get what I want? How can I allow myself to afford what I want and need and desire to do? so i always ask people to ask the right question not to you know not to be willing to say i can't do this or I, I can't afford that well maybe not today you could add the word yet
1: as you're sharing that the word permission came to my mind and it sounded a lot without mentioning that word, it sounded a lot like that, you know? And, and a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to be bold because we don't give ourselves permission to be bold. Can you speak a little bit about that? When, Whenever we can
2: see ourselves as, ha- as having all possibilities, whenever we're willing to entertain that bold thought that I have, I have greatness within me I have great possibilities within me mm-hmm. so that we can give ourselves permission to be more. As I said earlier, we can be more today in terms of realizing those possibilities than perhaps I was yesterday or last week. So that we're constantly empowering ourselves. Permission is about empowerment. And power is an it's an it's an inner job, right? Mm. So power is about being willing to stand tall in, in yourself. And power is not about control, but power is about agency. It is about, let's just say um, awareness and, inten- and intention and taking action on
0: that. So I wanna take you back a minute ago, you said about fear when you hit that send button for your manuscript that you were gonna submit. And you said words like, it's terrifying. So in the context of being bold or, or not, that doesn't mean you don't have fear. Can you highlight I, what you were talking about when it comes to hitting that send button and you're you terrified?
2: You cannot have courage without fear. Fear, I, uh, I've i learned to see fear as my angel in a strange sort of way. <clears throat> Where when, when the fear creeps up and it's threatening to to block my path, I'll look fear in the eyes and I say, I see what you're doing. You're daring me, aren't you? You're daring me to step up to myself, aren't you? You're actually my friend. Thank you, fear. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing. Thank you for sharing something that to me is the big lie. So thank you for reminding me that I have a choice. I have a choice to let you stop me or I have a choice of letting you inspire me and motivate me so that I can dig deep for that courage in the face of fear. Every time in my early years of singing, fear gripped me to the point where I would throw up before a uh, performance. I was so nervous. But my desire to sing that role, to sing that song, to sing that performance was far deeper than the fear. So I'd have that conversation with fear. i said, get out of my way.
0: And in the context of the book, is it something specific? What kind of fear?
2: Well, the book, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the, anyone writing a book, most people writing a book. Depends on what the book is. But for me, it was very personal. It was very transparent. And I was really putting myself out there in, in a very uh, vulnerable sort of way. And of course, when we write a book, once it's out there, you have to be willing to take the criticism along with the accolades. I had a lot of people who just loved my book, but I had a lot of people who didn't, including a a couple of people very close to me. And so the fear is the fear of being rejected. The fear is the fear of making a mistake of doing the wrong thing or being made fun of or or make you know being a failure, not you know landing you know falling on your face, that kind of thing. So, the but the fear, I I continue to call fear the big lie, because fear is just you know fear is trying. Uh, may, maybe the intention is is a good intention. Wants to protect me from falling on my face. Wants to protect me from being rejected. Wants to protect me from, from the slings and arrows that might be inherent in taking any chance to do anything. But if I want to take a chance on rising to another level, I have to be willing to face that fear and say, I'm going to do it anyway, because I want to see where I can go. I want to see what's possible for me. And if I make a big flop. Oh, well, I mean, I've learned over the years that I've learned some of my greatest lessons. And, and, and gathered my greatest strength and, and learned my greatest tools in life from falling on my face, from making big mistakes. So fear is, it can be your friend if
1: you choose to use it as your friend. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, speaking about fear with such a heightened level of awareness, I think it's so helpful for um, people to hear that fear isn't something they need to avoid, but actually it could be your friend, like you're saying. You get, to, you get to embrace those moments because in that moment we have choice. So it certainly takes a level of awareness and consciousness to understand that circumstances show up for us. I believe, we believe always for the next level, for the up-leveling of our experience. What are some of your practices, Sheila, that you can share with our listeners that will allow people who want to become more conscious, want to bring in a higher level of awareness in their day-to-day moments? What are some of your practices that you can share with us to be able to do that?
2: I often say I learned so much of what I need to know about life by being a singer. And one of the first things I learned as a singer was to breathe deeply from my belly. Mm -hmm. I know it may seem oversimplified, but according to James Nestor, who wrote the book, Breath, Breath. Mm -hmm. we are the worst breathers on the planet, we human beings. And as a result, we're sick, we're impaired, we're broken. So breathing deeply does matter. So luckily for me, I really can't take a shallow breath because I've been breathing deeply so long it's automatic. But nonetheless, I don't want to take it for granted either. So I do engage in deep breath work every day. I breathe through my nose slowly. I hold it. I breathe out through my mouth gently, slowly, And I engage in that deep breathing practice as the first thing I do when I get up in the morning. And I do it several times during the day. And that just keeps me tuned in to my body, to my energy. And if and when I'm having an anxious moment, which by the way, isn't very often anymore, but when I do, the first thing I do is breathe deeply. And if I'm in the middle of a session with a client, whether it's in person or on the phone or on Zoom or WhatsApp or FaceTime when any of these, these modalities for connecting and someone's having a rough time or in the middle of crying or whatever, I will remind them, just pause, take a deep breath, take another deep breath because the breathing allows us to reconnect with a very important source of us and that's our energy and our connection with our whole body as that breath is moving from you know deep within us into all of our cells into our brain into all of our extremities reoxygenating ourselves when we're feeling tired reoxygenating our brain when we're feeling depleted so breathing breathe one of the second things I learned as a singer was smile so even when I'm feeling really down uh, I mean uh, a few short years ago I mean about three years ago I was you know homeless <laughs> living with friends and I say this to people I say what you homeless well it's not like I was on the street with a with a basket or something but because of some very strange circumstances, I found myself kind of in between residences, as they say. So for a period of 18 months, I lived with friends, three different families who are not, to this day, part of my, my circle of, of, of family. Sheila, we miss you, come over let's cook together. You know, this kind of thing. So I've learned that smiling in the midst of difficult times, going way back being taught as a singer to smile from the inside. So it's this, (laughs) you notice when I do this, notice what happens to my eyes. Now, for those of you just listening on the audio, you're not gonna see my eyes, but you might hear it in my voice when I now take a breath and smile. And with the smile, the energy lifts. Everything lifts from the inside. When you smile, even if it's a slight smile, your energy literally lifts. And this is the key for the singer. And this is a metaphor. When I as a singer, have the intention of smiling from the inside. And then I take my deep breath and I start to sing, I'm more likely to sing on pitch. Mm. And so that's a metaphor for us all. When we smile, we're more likely to be on pitch, meaning that when we smile, it's a reminder to our entire autonomic system that we're in charge, even if we're in the middle of a shitstorm. that we can smile even when our heart is breaking. We can smile even when we want to cry. We can smile even when we're not sure if we can make it through another day and somehow When we smile and we smile in front of others, the ripple effect is huge. We have no idea where it's going to go, but that energy is a way of our saying to ourselves and the world, it may be a lousy day. It may be cloudy outside. You may have just gotten the worst news that you could have imagined. But if you can smile just now, just smile, remind yourself that you have the power to get to the next step you have the power to prevail you have the power to decide to smile even though your heart is bleeding Tell so you. so those are two things that i do now in addition to that i do meditate every day sometimes five minutes sometimes 30 minutes sometimes i will take a brief uh, a brief heart uh, heart um, break during the day where I do the, mm-hmm. the heart math, a breathing exercise where I connect with the heart
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'll do that maybe five minutes. It's almost as if I've given myself a full night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's very restful, it's very healing, right? So these are some of the modalities that are simple, sometimes very quick, very brief, doesn't have to take a long time, doesn't cost anything. But I, I make a point to remind myself that I am my best friend, I'm my best tool, I'm my best resource. And when in doubt, tune in, take a deep breath, and smile.
0: Awesome, awesome. Such I great helpful, here. <laughs> helpful
1: tools. Um, I love what you shared about the, the smile, too. You know, I find it much more relaxing actually, when I'm smiling, because actually, it takes less effort to smile than not to smile. So it makes sense when you say that, as a singer, you want to, you want to already have that energy behind it. Because when we're relaxed, of course, there's going to be easier flow coming through Mm -hmm. our body. It really, for me, signifies a softening, you know, truly a softening of our our energy that allows for that connection to occur on any level, you know, it begins there. So um, I think at the very least, even if it's someone you don't know, it's a recognition of someone. You know, that smile goes goes so far. Um, so let me just add one more thing that
2: occurred to me. Um, one of the services that I offer is I, I serve as a bereavement counselor. Mm. I deal in the arena of grief all the time. Mm-hmm. And and you may not think about how grief or bereavement is related to being a love doctor. <laughs> but if you think about it for a moment, it's not such a stretch, right? So you, you love someone, you might lose them, either through divorce or death or estrangement, right? Uh, and so we have broken hearts for you know, many different reasons. Um, and when I'm dealing with people who are struggling with a broken heart in issues of loss and bereavement, I remind them it's so important to be willing to feel everything. Because we're designed to feel a full spectrum from here to here, right? And so often people want to live in the safe lane. So they don't want to feel too much, they don't want to feel, you know, too much pain, and what I've learned is, if you're not willing to feel the pain, you're not going to feel the joy either, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So I often give the analogy of uh, what the time I was developing my voice. I went to a voice builder, and he said, "I hear in your voice that you are a dramatic soprano. You're not just this little light lyric soubrette." because at the time I was just singing these light li- little lyric things. He said, uh, I hear that you have within you the makings of being a dramatic soprano with a high extension, which meant I had a lot of extra notes on top. I could so I could hit a lot of those high notes. And in order to develop that voice, he started to develop the lower voice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because there were times I sounded like a contralto because he was developing that lower voice. He said, until you develop the lower voice, you're not going to have the strength for the high notes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a metaphor for until you learn to go low in terms of to feel the, the depth of whatever is natural to feel in our lives when we're feeling disappointment and loss and despair. When, when we do not allow ourselves to go there because we're designed to feel everything. When we don't allow ourselves to go there, we're also ruling out our feeling the, the top of the mountain, the, the high experiences of joy. Because you have to be able to, to, go, to go deeply in order to reach the heights.
0: You know, uh, you have such amazing, obviously, stories and the life you've lived. Uh, it reminds me, I mean, you've already touched on a few things of your low points in life. Um, you know, stories make, make everything, um, you know, real for people. So for those listening, what would you be able to share that, that you surmounted that were, I know you've already touched on bereavement about your husband, husband and other things. You said homeless, I just got the bristles in my body um what that what that might feel like so what were the learnings and what were those things you overcame and i know you sort of described how you did some of those and why what you learned. but just touch on that if if you don't mind
2: okay so when i was a teenager my father decided because my brother and i decided to live with our mother he took us to court and he forced the issue and we said, we want to live with mommy. We, li- we love you, daddy, but we want to live with mommy. My father had some emotional issues, let's just say, and he closed the door on my brother and me. He treated us like we didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So from the time I was 15 until the time I was 25, when he was dying from lung cancer, I experienced that my father did not acknowledge my existence. So when he asked for my brother, my mother and for me to come to his bedside when he was dying so that he could ask for our forgiveness. Of course, we said, we forgive you or I forgive you, but it took me decades, Mm. took me decades. During that period of time, I had gotten pregnant when I was in college and I decided not to marry the father. I decided to keep the baby. My family backed me up. And it was a big inconvenience to say the least. That was a time that abortion was not legal. And that being an unwed mother was quite a, a shameful thing. My family backed me up and I kept that little girl. I named her Daedra and she was the light of our lives. We all lived together. It was a beautiful thing. And when she was eight months old, we had a flu epidemic in California and she developed bronchitis just like the rest of us. But we didn't know that she was born with a heart defect and her little heart could not sustain that, that infection and it killed her. So when she was eight months old, I lost my daughter, and that's the only time I ever gave birth. It's the only time anyone ever called me mommy, and that left a big hole in my heart to this day, as you can see. So fast forward, I finally meet my husband. We plan to get married. We start a baby fund. He's already got three children. Shortly before we were to be married, his eldest son was tragically killed in a car accident at the age of 19. My husband said, I release you from your pledge. I can't imagine ever having more children. I I just, I can't do it. And I know you want children. And I married him anyway. And then his children came to live with us and decided to treat me like I didn't exist. Just like my father. So I developed all kinds of, you know, defense mechanisms and modalities. I went back to graduate school to become a therapist (laughs) so I could heal myself and perhaps heal others. Anyway, I was married to my husband for 32 years. He was the love of my life. And I must say I was privileged to be his spiritual midwife. I was with him until his last breath. And I will say that the last kiss from my husband, with my husband, was far more precious than the first one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, after, and in the meantime, you know, I had, I had my dream job, uh, which was my cantorial job down in New Jersey. And because of politics and jealousy, the in the new incoming rabbi Uh, just couldn't abide me being there. She wanted to get rid of me. I was known as Mother Earth. I was beloved and she couldn't stand it. So the handwriting was on the wall. And uh, so I walked away from that wonderful family and and history and experience of serving that congregation. To this day, they still reach out to me. To this day, I still get uh, notifications from Facebook of people who are letting me know about what's going on in their lives? Then I came to Newburgh, served the congregation here, and they decided to save money. So after five years, they did not renew my contract. Here I am, 62, with a terminal husband. That's when I opened my doors to my practice here. And you know, so the story goes. Yes, I, I also became homeless. That's another story. But uh, but I'm here. And uh, I gave away my grand piano. I, you know, I didn't know where I was going. I, I my grandson has my china closet. So, you know, uh, so I've learned, you know, how to be a Buddhist in some ways because I've learned how not to be attached to things. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, so, that's just a, a little kind of cliff notes version of some of the things that I have overcome.
0: My God, I can just. I can just tell. I'm sure people are probably crying listening to this, moved in a way that's, that you know you're you're still grateful and in the fact that you have breath and you're alive and you're still here and it doesn't matter what you know. I mean that's that's. I know we all tell our stories our, to ourselves and give them the meaning that they that they have and then they can either uplift you every day in the moment or bring you down.
2: Uh, I'll give you an example of how things circle around. You know, I've had that big, that big hole in my heart since the, 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 you know, sudden death of my child. Mm. And so I've learned to be a mother to many. I've learned how to use my nurturing uh, self in being a mother to many. So there are many people who call me Mama Sheila. In fact, some of our coaching group call me Mama Sheila, your coaching group that I'm a part of, right? Mama Sheila. And over the years, I've, I've, you know, uh, had many people come to me as clients and uh, or friends and say, I feel like you're my mother. So one of my soul daughters, I call this, the soul sons and soul daughters, um, has been wrestling with her health. She's uh, about 60, she's a very talented teacher and writer and uh, leader in the world. She's been struggling with her health and she sometimes has these very uh, profound uh, uh, depressions. And when I launched my podcast two weeks ago, she reached out to me, she said, Mama Sheila, I've been feeling so old and so finished and so defeated and I watch what you do. And you're almost 20 years my senior. You're so inspiring to me. Thank you for giving me a picture of what it could be like so you know it's it's a wonderful thing to know that maybe by my choosing to be bold <laughs> and by, by choosing to be myself some people look at that and say well gosh if she could do it maybe i could do it right because uh, i'm very transparent i'm 79 although when i you know i'm walking around in my skin and not looking in the mirror i feel sometimes like i'm 25
1: and that's really what matters <laughs> right that is truly what matters <laughs> You know, your examples that you shared really speak to your resilience. And as human beings, as social, physical beings, we really need that. We need those examples. We, we uh, need to expand our perspectives and our perceptions about what's possible. And somebody living boldly in the way that you do, is, is permission for someone from the outside looking in saying, wait, what's possible for me if that could be possible for Sheila? And I remember the day I met you, we were at Toastmasters and we went around the room introducing ourselves. And I think it was probably the second Uh, meeting I attended and I shared that I had just quit my job and I was launching my business as a coach full-time as an entrepreneur and I was on my second act and I remember feeling so nervous excited all of those things and as we got to you you had said you were on your eighth career and that turned like a light switch in my head like (laughs) <laughs> Wait, she's on her eighth career. I got to talk to her. And I don't know if you remember that day. but I remember it very well. It's a red letter day
2: for me because it was very special that you came to me. And, and I, I was thinking to myself, that's someone I want to know. Isn't that interesting?
1: Yeah, I I had to. Prior, and I've said this to you. I've said this to Sheila. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I was manifesting somebody like Sheila. I had been for the past couple of weeks, imagining somebody with your color hair. Really? So I yes. I, remember, I said uh, I, I. I want. I wanna. I want a mentor who's wise, who has really been through life but is living it fully isn't living as if they've been beat down and in fact is living as if every day is a new day because that was a point in my life where I was just starting something new and I was at a point where I let my old self die I really Mm -hmm. released my attachment to who my identity was and so I sort of you know I didn't know how to ask for the person other than the women who were in my life in the past, who had the sort of wisdom I was looking for, were in the form of both of my grandmothers, who had, you know, white silvery hair. Mm -hmm. And so I had them in my dreams, you know, in the moments leading up to meeting you. And so when I saw you already, I was like, oh my God, look at our hair color. And then when I heard you talk about your eighth career, it was one of those instinct, instinctive, you know, you get a sign from the universe, like you gotta go talk to her. And so as soon as the meeting was over, I approached you and then the rest is history.
2: It truly, so, we're coming upon our second anniversary of meeting, which is, a, a well, no, actually we already had the second anniversary of meeting. That's was, right, Because it was in February. That's uh,
1: right, that's right, that's, that's right. right. And, so and by the
2: way, my hairstylist keeps wanting to color my hair and i love my platinum
1: side, i love it i right? love it yeah so
2: so i i really if look i've earned it and it's you know kind of my natural color so she she fills in some darker tones over, over here so i have a little depth mm-hmm. but uh, i love the fact that i now have silver in my hair a lot right mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and uh, it so. really is is uh it's just it's so beautiful to see um, You know, you're such an example for us too, you know, in within our programs and and outside of that, beyond that, what it looks like to embrace life and living and learning. And, you know, I certainly admire so much about how you also take that wonder and curiosity, not just with your own self, but because you do that for yourself, you do it for others. Well, I- uh, You're so good at that. You're so I'm, good at recognizing I'm, that in others.
2: And, and it, it's part of my delight. It, it's all it, because life's always a discovery. It's this discovery experience of, of everyone. I had a couple come into me last week. They've only been together six months. And one of the partners says, I'm bored. And I, and I looked, I said, what? You've only been together six months. Tell me, do you know everything you need to know about your partner? And he said, no. I said, well, okay, your homework is to be curious. <laughs> to be curious about your partner and seek to learn more than you know today about your partner. And we'll, we'll talk further next week. <laughs> when someone says they're bored, what? what's going on you know what what's turned off here and what what needs to be turned back on and uh, whenever there's a sense of boredom there's something that that's been shut off in in some way um, I recommend you know extreme I get extreme dose of curiosity mm.
1: Mm.
2: yes yes
0: <laughs> indeed so it's not too late I'm in my fifth career I got time, I guess. You
2: have time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're, you're right on track, Raju. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so speaking of that, for those leaders and entrepreneurs that are listening to us and our audience who are potentially coaches or otherwise, you know, it, it's, it's inspiring to hear all of the, all of these things. So what, what could you share with them? Maybe a couple of things that how they should be dealing with the uncertainties. I mean, you've embraced uncertainty. You're the you're the epitome of all of that in your life. It's clear. What what could they do? You know, besides, let's say, some of those consciousness practices or, uh, in you know, living the life moment to moment as you describe. What else could they be thinking about today, given where we are in this environment?
2: Well, first of all, this this period of of being more inward, being, uh, my next book is The uh, Magic of Alchemy From Shut Down to Opening Up. Yes. And it, it, it's, it's about, you know, this experience that we've all been having and in, in terms of being forced by a pandemic of circumstances to go within mm. and, and to notice what it is about us that's shut down. And, and it's also a metaphor for what happens in relationships. Why? Why do people come to me who who claim to love each other, but they're fighting like you know cats and dogs sometimes? Because something shut down, and and the, what what shut down? What what triggers them? What, what's going on? Right. So I seek to understand, and I help them to to seek to understand so that they they open up again, and they open up in in new ways uh, to one another, and and uh, seek to become more vulnerable, uh, just at the time they. Think they want to protect themselves from being hurt. So in this period of uncertainty, what I've discovered for me and others that, that I've been working with is, and just a reminder that wherever there's uncertainty, and there's always uncertainty, we're just more aware of it now than ever before, because yeah. we've been surrounded by circumstances that we cannot change. And it's not, you know, in our power to change. The only thing we could change is our response to these circumstances, right? So what I've learned about me with all of the uncertainty in my life and it's been uncertainty plus during this past year of the pandemic is that within every uncertainty, there is a world, a universe of possibilities. It's kind of like saying, well, when you have this free and empty space over here, what's possible? and I'm looking at this open space and I'm thinking to myself, what's possible? Everything, everything is possible when you have this empty space in front of you. So when you have a sense of uncertainty about the future, this is a reminder, you know, knock, knock, who's there. It's always uncertain. You don't know what's around the corner. You you, Raju certainly know that, you know, you go on a trip in the middle, you're in the middle of of a, why can't I think of the name? Tsunami. Thank you. The tsunami, right? So, you know, and that's a metaphor too. There's, there's a tsunami that might happen at any time. We don't know. So how do we deal with that? Well, we deal with it based on our inner resources. We do the best we can with what we have, whatever is coming toward us. And sometimes we, learn, we, we need to learn to accept the things that we can't change and then to ask the question, how can I make this a blessing? Like when I found out my husband was was grappling with dementia, I knew what that was going to, oh, I had no idea, but I, I knew it was not a pretty picture ahead of me, right, as he was slipping away from me. And in the midst of this nightmare, I, the situation brought me to my knees and I'm, I'm shouting to the moon, what, what do you want from me? And quickly, I realized I need to ask a different kind of question. How can I make this a blessing? Mm-hmm. So whatever, the, whatever happens in the midst of any uncertainty, the question is, how can I make this a blessing? What is my next step? How am I going to take myself to the next level of me? How do I want to? to take myself to the next level. What do I want that to look like? So I remind myself every step of the way that it's within me to decide. Mm -hmm. It's within me to choose the right questions and to guide and be be willing also to ask for outside guidance as well, which Mm. is why I love coaching, which is why I come to the two of you as my coaches, because why? I'm keenly aware that I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I don't know. I can't see what you see. And that's what people discover when they come into me. They can't see themselves like I do. They can't notice what I notice in the midst of a conversation. So we all need one another. Mm -hmm. We need one another to give us feedback, to help us ask the right questions to give us support on our journeys together. We're not here to be an island. We're not here just for ourselves. We're here to be of service and to learn and grow. That's what life's about. If, if, if a if a, light, if a lightning bolt strikes me down today, I can say, I've done my best. I'm at peace. My mother, God bless her, she should rest, she should rest in peace. At a certain point in her life, she said, you know, if God takes me, you know, today, I'm at peace. I've lived a a blessed life. Not that she wanted to die today, but she
1: was at peace with herself. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to be. There's so many great things you just shared now. So many questions that I know we're gonna be listening to this and writing down some of those <laughs> questions. And for our listeners, we, we encourage you to write down some of these questions Sheila asked before. And also, as you're hearing insights that if you think of people in your life that can benefit from these ideas, please forward this podcast on, you know, I'm so glad you brought up uh, just the intricacies or the interconnectedness of why it is that people show up in our lives, right? Like you're a coach, you have clients going to you. We also coach, it happens to be at this moment, you're one of our clients, but before that you were my mentor. And so it illustrates this idea that part of what we talk about in bold leadership is having humility and recognizing just what you spoke to about The fact that we're not an island, and we need each other, and we don't know what we don't know. And we really truly don't know why or how the people in front of us might have the answers or, you know, could help us facilitate our learning for that next level of breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And so you spoke to that very beautifully. Go ahead. What were you, what were you going going to say? I was
2: going to say in in, uh, one of the coaching programs I've designed, which is called Into Me See. Yes. Mm -hmm the fourth mo- the third module is about blind spots the mm-hmm. th- second module is about mirrors mm-hmm. and the mirrors are a recognition that every relationship we have is a mirror mm-hmm. to be willing to see it as such and the mirror gives us reflection and feedback and all all those wonderful things right and and the and the third module is blind spots to recognize that Uh, while we also need other people in our lives as as our mirrors, we also need to recognize that the things that become our stumbling blocks, the things that become our ongoing triggers, are pointing to blind spots. And all of life is learning to uncover them. Because again, we don't know what we don't know, but all of life is uncovering one blind spot after another. I mean, there are things that I'm sure people see about me that I can't see because, you know, it's right in front of my face, but I can't see it, but they can see it. Right. I'm, you know, it's kind of like, you know, why did I do that? Well, couldn't you see what what was in front of you? No. (laughs) right? So, 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 you know, life is this wonderful adventure of a hide and seek. Right. (laughs) of seek and you shall find, or lost and found, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so it's hide and seek, lost and found, right? So that we're, we're constantly losing something and finding it. We're so, constantly hiding something and seeking for something. So, you know, it's this wonderful dynamic and dance that we're all doing with ourselves and with others in life. Yeah. And, and some of our best teachers are the people who've been the most annoying and, mm-hmm. and, and infuriating people that we want to just you know have a duke it out with them
1: <laughs> yeah and that's why what you said earlier about how can you infuse this relationship with wonder and curiosity Raju and I just had a conversation about that very thing a couple of hours ago before we got on this uh, recording with you is is that very idea you know if you're listening and you find yourself challenged with particular relationships, especially the ones that are very close to you that you can't just like run away from or shut out to finally make a decision perhaps to lean into that and to really see um, what is the meaning of this and how can this be a blessing? Because as human beings, we aren't just reacting, right? Part of it is actually what is the meaning that we want to create, that we want to attach to this and then be discerning moving forward about how we're going to then behave in accordance with what we believe. Um, so it's, it's really important to, to remember to remember that those challenges, they're really designed for us.
2: Yes, and it's often said that the very things that annoy us in other people, you know, like you have this this irritating person and the, there's this thing about this person that really irritates us. It's really something about ourselves that we don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the more you're annoyed with other people is pointing to the possibility that there's a lot about yourself that you're not willing to see and accept, right? Wow. So the more equanimity that you build in your life, the more discernment and and ability to accept more and and let certain things go uh, points to the extent to which you're also more able to accept yourself. You're Mm -hmm. all perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. How many people will say to me, well, I'm not perfect. I said, "Uh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) And so what else is new, right?
0: It requires, you know, it presupposes in all the, the the lessons you were describing throughout this past hour is that you you have to be open to the not only reflecting, but also the open to connect with others, open for help, mentorship, coaching. You could be a coach to somebody, as we said, you, you could be a coach to them or a mentor to them. So it's all, you know, we, we started this podcast a few months ago because we felt there was a need to up to, to out there to, sh- to show how connected we are and and but it presupposes the individual perhaps listening is that they're they have to decide whether they are in that growth mindset or they are just gonna you know survive and subsist in life and be done
1: and i think the interesting thing about this time we're living through now is more and more people are waking up to the idea that just existing is no longer good enough you know and that's yeah. what's so beautiful about this time that we all get to participate in. And it really, it really is uh, a call for depth, a call for drilling down, like diving deep into you know, the intricacies of, of us. And yes, I understand what you mean about, you know, we're perfectly imperfect. Um, but as bold, conscious leaders, we actually would argue that we're all perfect in our own way. <laughs> so yeah. we actually are all whole and, 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 you know, and that's another conversation, but I know what you, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. And so the, the, the perfection is about that everything we are experiencing is just really designed to bring to light, really to bring to bring ourselves back up to light. Well, uh, I
2: mean, I think you're pointing to wherever you are right now in your life is perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what you created. That's yeah. what you co-created, right? And it's not a judgment. Right. But but this is perfect for you now. So does that mean it's it's now immutable that you can't grow and stretch it? Not at all, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all perfectly imperfect in that our perfection is constantly inviting us to expand on the perfection mm. yes uh, yeah. uh, one of my favorite poems and, and it became a book uh, by donna markova is called i will not die an unlived life mm-hmm. i will not die an unlived life and in this kind of declaration that she begins the book with a kind of like this this poem she declares all of the thi- all the things about herself and her life that she's not willing to accept it being enough for her. In other words, she doesn't want to just, you know, not go the distance. Right. So I will not. I will not I will not die an unlived life. I had a conversation uh, with a client last night. She's one of my bereavement clients and uh, she's her mother recently passed away. So she's really tasting another level of her own mortality. Mm-hmm. And so she says, you know, I've got all these aches and pains, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of closed in, and I can't go and do things. And she says, I'm, I'm feeling my own mortality. I said, I understand. And I said, I've known you long enough to know that part of what's under that is that there's a fear that you have not lived your life fully yet enough. Mm-hmm. And for you know, so I'm here to remind you that you have lived a full life. and There's a part of you that wants to continue to live a full life. So you're feeling a form of deprivation and you're, you're afraid of your aches and pains and you're afraid of, you know, not being able to, to enjoy your life as you have been enjoying your life. And I understand. So, you know, part of my job is to just be in the moment with compassion, with people who are feeling their own mortality. And it's something that's not easy to recognize and to accept. We are mortal. We have a beginning, a middle, and an end to this stage of our lives called the physical. Mm -hmm. And yet we also need to remind ourselves that there's something about each of us that is divine, that is eternal, that is forever. And Mm -hmm. Raju and I talked about this in another conversation where we talked about having loved someone with all our hearts mm-hmm. who died. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with that? You acknowledge that what you had didn't die. The person died. Mm-hmm. The, the the physical body died. But that that experience that you had of love that didn't die. It's just we're all greedy. We want more. We you know, I, I want to hug that person, I want to talk to that person. Well of course you do. Mm-hmm. But but there's certain things about us all that are divine, that are eternal, that don't die.
1: Beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I can't
0: speak. Sorry.
1: The recognition is so important to to speak to. You know, we don't. Raju and I don't take anything for granted, of course, and. And I tell you this all the time. There's so much that I learn from you. And even in this conversation, we've learned so much from you. And I'm so grateful for podcasts because we get to listen to this um, for as long as podcasts will be around. <laughs> and, and as we, long as we'll be around. <laughs> as long as we'll be around. And, and the, learning, the learning never stops, right? And we know that it's a co-creative process that we all do together. So we don't take any of these conversations for granted so we so appreciate and are so grateful for you being here in that context what what discoveries might you have had in this conversation meaning there's so much already that you have learned and in this conversation was there something else that perhaps you learned something new, something else about yourself or the world that you could share.
2: Well, you've given me the opportunity to experience myself being able to express in a brief kind of little encapsulated period of time on this podcast experience, kind of a I don't know uh, a Cliff Notes version of my life that I didn't realize I could do that way. Mm-hmm. Right? In other words, when we know that we have a certain narrow amount of time and we're speaking, and it's not scripted, this is all spontaneous.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, when you asked, you know, the question that led to my answering, overcoming various obstacles, all these, all these examples came to me, and yet. I realized I left out having overcome cancer. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did not include that in the litany. I left out a whole bunch of things that I did not include in the litany, but I chose certain elements that I felt would be more um, palpable or meaningful to our listening audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and things that you know, really land as huge for me to share with others that despite the magnitude of disappointments and losses and difficulties and challenges, here I am feeling full and joyful today, Mm -hmm. maybe more full and joyful today than any other day I can think of. And it began by my having trouble getting into my office. And it's freezing outside and the door was stuck. <laughs> I had to let you know, wait, I'm, tr- I'm on my way, but I can't get in. <laughs> and, and a reminder that I couldn't do it. And I had to call my landlord and he had the special magic tools. <laughs> and so this is a reminder that I don't know everything and I can't do everything. And I had to call for help and that was, and, and everything's fine. Everything's fine, you know, so whether or not you have trouble getting into your office or whether or not you lose your job or whether or not you lose your home or whether or not you lose your stuff, you can still land on your feet and say at any given moment, and I am joyful. Mm-hmm. And I am here and I can't wait to, to for the next day of my life, right? I can't wait for the rest of my day.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very powerful. Well, listen. I was doing some research on you, and I, I, I stumbled upon an old New York Times article about you. Oh, you did! Can you believe that? <laughs> and we wouldn't want to let you go without hearing your, you know, beautiful voice. In in, uh, I mean, I picked out a couple of numbers, but you can pick whatever you want. I I just the Ida on the the O. Oh, Patria, oh,
2: Patria Mia. Oh, you want me to sing that now,
0: right? Well, that or Oh Lovely Moon, I mean, from the, from the Russian.
2: From Musalka, from right? Yeah.
0: So I would just, I mean, it could be anything else if you try, but we just want to, our listeners to hear a little bit of your magic.
2: <laughs> oh, that's very funny. For me to sing either one of those arias, I'd have to warm up and practice for a while because it's not exactly. Like, you know, just rolling out of bed and singing. You know, it's, it's an athletic endeavor. But uh, uh, but thank you for asking. Uh, but I will sing a little something today mm. that I often sing when I'm conducting uh, a, uh, a workshop. I'm at a retreat. I'm in the middle of facilitating a sacred circle of some kind. And uh, this I can sing without warming up. And I hope I don't, you know, you know, kind of grumble through it, but uh, listen, listen, listen to your heart song. Listen, listen, listen to your heart song. I will never forget you. I will never forsake you i will never forget you i will never forsake you listen 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 to your heart song listen 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 to your heart song yes (laughs)
1: yes you <laughs> thank, you, thank so you so much for sharing that that with us you know we that was one thing before we turned on the cameras Roger and I said like oh, she has to sing so, <laughs> 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 so we yeah. were we that was something we both had um thought about beforehand so thank you for for sharing that with us so Sheila
2: otherwise you have to go to my youtube channel and just look up Cantor Sheila Pearl and there'll be a few things on there that you can Well, look. that's
1: exactly what we were going to sh- have you share. And next before we sign off is where can people listening to this podcast right now, where can they find you? Where can they reach you? Well, okay.
2: YouTube, Sheila Pearl or YouTube. My, my new podcast channel on YouTube is let's talk about making love better podcast. So that's uh, it's, it's one of my channels on YouTube. Um, and you can find me uh, my podcast on any podcast uh, platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Audible. I mean, I didn't know, just went out to Audible too. I just happened to stumble over that, but Mm. all all the different platforms. So if you listen to podcasts on any of those, uh, Apple's one of my favorites, because that's where I get yours, uh, Raju Mm. and Tricia. So, uh, and just look for, let's talk about making love better. And you can find me at SheilaPearl.com.
0: So we'll include this in the notes as well to this episode, but we're so delighted you could join us, Sheila. I know you're very busy and just hope you stay warm today and get back home safe.
1: Thank you. Yes, it's just around the corner. It's a very long commute. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you.
0: It's a delight. We love you.
1: Thank love you, love you too. You. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, make sure to subscribe, download, and share it with your sphere of influence.
0: You know, we bring a variety of topics to you and it's like a masterclass for those topics and it's all free.
1: So take a screenshot, share it on your social media and add to hashtag boldconsciousconnections so that we can find you, see you, maybe say hello.
0: And if you want to deep dive into some of the topics that we bring to you, uh, find us at www.LiveMasterminds.com and get to know us.
1: Take care.